Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig with details. Episode 224, Recession-Proofing Your Finances with Megan Rebuse. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. My name is Jill. And we have just a light, fun, airy topic episode for you today. We thought you would really enjoy just a break from the heaviness mm. about recessions. Probably one of the worst R, R words out there. One of the worst. I, yeah. I can't, can't think it's of early, a, so I can't, yeah. Can't think can't of another, think another yeah. R but, word uh, that would be worse. You will leave this episode feeling much more confident, much more educated, much more in control of your finances. Our guest, Megan, does an amazing job of breaking down this concept of what's been going on really since January of 2022, what you've already been living in, and what is to come. So this is a very important episode for everyone, no matter where you are in your financial journey. I left that I personally, Jen and I, we chatted about this right after recording later that night, how pivotal this conversation felt for me. So I walked Mm -hmm. away feeling hopeful and encouraged. And I hope that that's the same for you all as well. She's a phenomenal speaker and just really relatable and helps to break down this topic in some ways that I think will be helpful. So, so glad you're here. Mm -hmm. But first, our sponsors, Recommendations. This episode is brought to us by Recommendations, and they want us to know that they are only as good as the person making the recommendation. They're really at the whim. Can't stand hardcore music, but taking a recommendation on a new band from a hardcore, hardcore fan, not a good idea. (laughs) Love taking seafood recommendations from local fishermen. That's a great idea. Recommendations, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad. But right now, some personal finance experts are about to give you a recommendation on a new high-yield savings account. So you decide. Rates on high-yield savings accounts are rising, and that means we have a new recommendation for savings 
savings accounts. Right now, CIT Bank is offering 1.35% APY on its Savings Connect account with no monthly fees and only $100 minimum to open. If you need a new savings account, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash CIT to check it out. Mm -hmm. Love those recommendations. Mm -hmm. Love them. So after you listen to this one, if you want to, I think you're going to want to go listen to episode 146, Understanding the Stock Market and Investing uh, with our guest Bola Sukumbi. It might help clear up a a few things about the stock market. We don't get heavy into that today. And then another one you might be interested in queuing up is episode 102, Financial Tips When Money is Tight. This one we recorded in March of 2020, where we didn't realize what was going to happen. You know, hindsight is 2020, for lack of a better word. Um, So while I regret that we aired it then, I think it might be good now um, because we are already very far into what you're, you know, what you think of as a recession. So they, these might have, and they're obviously they're not, if you're living on the border of the poverty line, these are not the tips. That's not what this episode is kind of for. It's kind of, if you've typically had enough money to cover your bills and then some, um, but you're feeling a pinch because of the change in inflation and stuff like that, that's kind of what these are for. Um, and so later on, we might do more episodes focusing on more lower income scenarios. But not all of our episodes are for everyone, and that's okay. Uh, so yeah, I am super excited to share this one because I think this one is for everyone. Everyone should understand this. Uh, so after working in corporate finance uh, for over 10 years, Megan Rebuse of Family Finance Mom, she decided that he, her and her husband working 60 hours a week each and a nanny raising their growing family was not how they wanted their journey to look. So now she uses all that corporate finance expertise to run Family Finance Mom and host the Finance Explained podcast Both aim to help women build their financial literacy so they can make better decisions for themselves, their families, and their futures. And Megan is definitely one of those top 10 people that I follow on Instagram because they actually teach me something new every time they post. And so I honestly do learn new things from Megan every time I hear from her. And so we're very excited to share her with you. And we think that you're going to get as much out of this, if not more than we did. So excited. Let's do it. Megan, thank you so much for coming on the Frugal Friends podcast. We're very excited to have you because... I think we're going to learn a lot from this episode, along with all of our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I have so much to learn in in so many areas. And this is definitely one of them. So Jen and I joke often that we do... I, well, I joke with her that I do this <laughs> podcast quite selfishly just so I can stay motivated and accountable and learn more. And it has done its job. I've learned so much, done so many things I wouldn't have done without this. So, And interviews are my favorite. So thank you. Thank you for coming and teaching us and sharing your wisdom with us. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's dive into talking about this really light, fun subject that we have planned today: recession-proofing your finances. Uh, so, 
tell us, like, let's let's get into this recession buzzword. Like, what typically happens in a recession and how do we know we're heading for one in layman's terms? Sure. So, you know, I think people often use the word recession and it's like this big, scary, intimidating thing. People get really nervous, but it's actually an official economic term with a very specific definition. Officially in the United States, the National Bureau of Economic Research, and you can check out their website at nber.org. They are the official organization in the United States that declares both the start and the end of a recession. Now, unofficially, a recession is simply a slowdown in overall economic activity. And in the US, we define economic activity as gross domestic product or GDP is what you might hear kind of commonly mentioned. And it's basically measuring the value of all the goods and services produced in the United States over a specific period of time. And so the unofficial definition of a recession is two consecutive quarters of negative real GDP growth. So let me break those terms down kind of even further. So Negative means instead of increasing quarter over quarter, it's declining. And real GDP means growth absent the benefit of inflation. So if you think about what's been going on in the current economy over the last year or so, inflation has been really high, much higher than normal. And so in order for real GDP to increase, it means that if you strip out all the benefit of price increases, is the economy still growing? And what we had happen in the first quarter was it didn't. There was actually a decline in GDP in Q1, which ended back in March. Q2 officially ends this week, um, actually today as we're recording this. (laughs) Um, And then usually there's about a one month lag before the data on GDP gets released. So sometime around the end of July, that Q2 number will come out. My inclination, given kind of everything I've seen coming out of like things like corporate earnings reports, monthly reports on consumer retail sales and things like that, my inclination is that we're already in a recession. The data just hasn't come out yet for it to be officially announced. And that is, that's very common. Like it typically is going to get announced on a lag because of the way the data comes out. And likely my guess, and this is just my educated guess, it's not been officially announced yet, is that come the end of July, when the data comes out, the National Bureau of Economic Research will say, hey, peak GDP was December of 2020, what year are we in? 2022, 2021. (laughs) And that we've already been in a recession, most likely since probably January or February of this year. Wow. That's very helpful because while we talk a lot about personal finance and we talk a lot about ourselves slowing down our consumption mm-hmm. in the market, we I, we don't correlate that with um, the overall economy. Yep. Uh, so it makes it, that definition kind of makes it a little less scary. And And to kind of tie it into that, 
When you look at GDP and the makeup of U.S. GDP, we are a very consumer-driven economy. So GDP is something like two-thirds or almost 70% of GDP is consumer spending, which is literally like you and me going to the grocery store, you and me going to Target, people buying furniture, buying cars, all of that economic consumer activity. So and, and take a look around at what, you know, you and your friends are doing. Are you buying less than you were buying a year ago? Are you eating out less than you were doing a year ago? Um, you know, over the pandemic, a lot of people invested in their homes and making their homes more comfortable environments. Like people are doing that less. With the benefit of the stimulus checks that a lot of people received last year, people bought things like new cars. You're not going to do that every single year. And so, there is some, you know, some of that stimulus money pulled demand forward into last year. And now we have those difficult year over year comparisons, as well as the fact that just people aren't going to spend money on, especially those big ticket items that people were likely buying last year. You're not going to do that every single year. Um, and so this is kind of the um, if you think of the economy a little bit like a cycle, because economic cycles are kind of the natural progression in the economy, recessions are not unexpected. They happen. It's sort of a natural part of the economic cycle. The economy goes through phases of expansion, contraction, and recovery. And so the recession is just the contraction piece of it. And it's coming from people like you know, the three of us pulling back on our spending. Mm. There's something so cathartic and almost hopeful about just hearing the matter of facts of what a recession is. And I think that's the case with so many things. We kind of, we can, something can become so scary, particularly when it's unknown. And when we name it, when we identify it, when we put words to it, it makes it, okay, I can, I can understand what that is and I can respond to it rather than just the scary monster behind like the door that I don't even want to open the door. I don't want to look at it because I don't totally understand it. But then once we do see it, it's like, oh, that's not that scary anymore. I can right. respond. And it's also quite interesting to just know the definition of a recession. I don't know that I had put much thought to it other than, yeah, a lot of times people just struggle more. And yes, it's related to the economy, but I don't totally know why it happens. I just need to know I might want to buckle down a little bit more on my spending. But to realize it has to do with what has already come before that once mm -hmm. we get to the word recession, we've already been living in it for half a year. And so even recognizing that, that it's not what's to come, it's what you've already been living in. And if you've been okay, at least surviving, then there's hope in that. Not to say that it, does, it hits people in various ways. So I'm not taking away from right. suffering in that, but there is something that strikes me as a little hopeful. The resilience yeah. piece there. Yeah, I I had one question that I thought of while you were talking, Megan. Sure. And do you think that um, some of the the GDP growth from last year was maybe a little artificially inflated or or faster than it would have been? I mean, absolutely. And you saw it. Um, so we can break GDP or gross domestic product down into various pieces, um, and historically, you know, like I said, the U.S. is a very consumer driven economy. Over the last, call it 70 years, 
that consumer spending has shifted away from goods, so physical objects, and much more towards services. And so what happened kind of, if we think about what went on over the last two years, the services side of the equation, which today makes up the bulk of consumer spending in the U.S., in many ways got shut down, right? And so people, you know, whether it was during COVID lockdowns, people weren't traveling as much, we weren't eating out as much, some restaurants closed entirely. And what happened was, is those first round of stimulus checks were coming out and the businesses that they should have helped the most were kind of all those service businesses that we couldn't go spend that, right? Or we weren't comfortable going out and spending or we weren't comfortable going out and traveling. So instead you had this big, boon in spending on goods, in, in, in particular durable goods. And that's where we saw a lot of some of the inflationary impact. Because if you think about the way our economy functions, the U.S. economy is very stable, typically. It's very predictable. Companies and businesses plan for things like inventory and production based on that predictability and consistency. And the pandemic kind of threw a wrench into all of that. That's some of why you're seeing inflation. It also is some of what, you know, when people got those stimulus checks, they spent a lot of money on goods that they wouldn't normally spend. And so to your point, that's some of that shift in the pulling forward of consumer spending. And we're cycling against that. And especially on the durable goods side of the equation. So You'll hear the goods piece of GDP broken into durable and non-durable. Think of durable as anything that lasts more than like one to three years. So things like furniture, things like cars, things like um, major appliances, those are durable goods. And that's where you saw a lot of like supply chain impact, where you saw a lot of inflation initially, and where you saw kind of a spike in demand. That's not going to like repeat itself again for a while. So to your point, yes, I do think that that pulled some of it forward. And so instead of having kind of the smooth, consistent, predictable economy that we're used to, you know, the government in order to help people may have overdone it a little bit. um, And now we're suffering the repercussions of that. To bring what you're describing to a little bit more of the micro level for individuals, for households, what do these terms mean for a typical household, recession, inflation? What do you see? What does that mean for people? Sure. So I think it's important to remember that every household is a part of the economy. The economy is really just the impact of all of our economic behavior at a household level put together and combined. And so I like to kind of think of ourselves all as like little cogs or gears in the economy overall. And so you all need to be turning together in order for the economy to be functioning well. Your spending is somebody else's income and vice versa, depending, you know, depending on your job and what you're doing. So at the micro level, what does a recession mean? Well, it can mean, it can start as like a lapse of confidence, right? So if everybody's worried that a recession is coming and so you start to buckle down, maybe you start to like bulk up your emergency fund. So you're increasing your savings and decreasing your spending. It kind of becomes a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if everybody starts doing that, you have a collective reduction in consumer spending, which decreases demand at the business level. And so then the next thing that happens is businesses 
don't see people spending as much, their revenue is coming down in order to preserve their profit, they need to cut expenses. And the easiest way for them to cut expenses is by starting to reduce jobs. Now, in the, and so that's why oftentimes you see increase in unemployment associated with a recession. Again, the unemployment piece of it tends to come at a little bit of a lag. I'll come back to that in a second, kind of the leading and lagging indicators of a recession. But that's where at the micro level, people, that's why people start to get concerned. They start to worry, like, if things slow down, is my job at risk? And so in order to prepare for that, they may want to bulk up their emergency fund. They may want to streamline their budget to like the bare bones level so that they have money set aside in the event that they might lose their job. Um, in the event that it might take them a while to find another job. Now, one thing that is a little bit unique in the current environment is the labor market is extremely tight. What do I mean by that? The unemployment level is near record low levels, kind of back to where we were pre-pandemic, where we were seeing 50-year unemployment rate lows. And at the same time, we've seen record high numbers of job openings. So employers have been trying to hire. And, you know, if, if you go out and talk to a lot of small businesses, like as an example, my daughter had an eye doctor appointment this week. First of all, it took me seven months to get her an eye doctor appointment. Um, that's how backed up they are. And second of all, he's been trying to hire someone who fits the glasses so then he can see more patients because he's not doing both. And he hasn't been able to hire someone for over a year that he's been looking. And so, you know, that's one small business, but you hear that story or something like it over and over again. So what is likely to happen kind of on the employment side right now is I think we'll see those job openings reduce. Um, right now, they've been at the kind of 10 million, 11 million number every month. That's job openings nationwide across all employers. My expectation is we'll start to see that fall and we have a little bit already. You've already heard kind of big tech companies talking about either layoffs or hiring freezes. That's kind of the first step. And because there's such a tight employment market, I think we're likely to see those job opening numbers fall before we see kind of a big rise in unemployment overall. So that is something I think you can take some comfort in. But just to kind of describe what happens and why people at the micro level react the way they do, it's because of the fear or concern that, you know, their job could be at risk. That's so good to know. It is always a concern when we talk about increasing income. You have to do it at different. Your strategy has to be different in different seasons. And so in a recession, it's definitely, you know, while you still have a job, like a saving, saving, saving type of thing, because you may not get the bonuses you thought you like that you got last year, and you right. may not be able to get the promotion um, or job hop to a higher paying job. Like those opportunities slow down. Well, and the other the other piece of that is one of the things that we've seen. There's a monthly report that comes out called the JOLT report. It comes out from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and it stands for Job Opening, Labor Turnover, and Separations. And one of the things that we've seen is that there's a huge number of job openings, like record-breaking level, but also the quit rate or the people voluntarily leaving their job has also been at an extremely high level. And that's really what's driving the bulk of separations every month. 
Now, in a booming economy where there's a huge number of job openings, it is and in an inflationary environment, it is enticing to jump and switch jobs in order to get a bigger paycheck or for greater opportunity or for better benefits or whatever the case may be. But something that may give people more pause if we're worried that the world or the economy is going to slow down is oftentimes tenure matters in a downturn. So if you are the low man on the totem pole, if you have not, if you know, if you've been somewhere for not very long and there are layoffs, oftentimes you're the first to be cut. So sometimes, you know, you may think twice about making that jump for a higher paycheck because if things take a turn for the worse, and I think this is especially true if you work in more cyclical industries um, that are more impacted in economic downturns. So things like leisure and hospitality, um, oftentimes real estate and construction tends to be more cyclical and more impacted in economic downturns. Um, sometimes energy can be more impacted in economic downturns. Retail is another area. Those sectors, you know, you might kind of give it a second thought as to whether this is the right time to make a move. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. 
That's such a good point, your own seniority. And that's not to say, I think, still, in the long run, it is good to look for more opportunity to build your skill set. But particularly right now, that's a fantastic thing to consider when thinking about job hopping and what type of an industry or environment you're working in. It's one of the things we talk about related to knowing how much of an emergency fund you need. It depends on how volatile the field that you're working in is. You want to have a bigger emergency fund if your field might be a little bit more volatile or you're working for a startup or you've maybe not been in the company or organization for as long. But considering also where are we economically and what might happen. And it might be worth our while for some of us to stay where we're at and wait it out. (laughs) The wait Mm -hmm. and see. Yeah, just wait and see kind of what happens over the next six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that is advice we give, we have given all the time is to get a new job to get a higher pay increase. But different times in the economy call for different strategies. That's Uh, right. So this is, yeah, this is great news to check in with your strategy. And I think industry matters too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, So I feel like there's going to be like two two types of listeners and nobody can know who they are yet. Um, But there's going to be like the one who really is in survival mode during the recession. And then there's the the one that is really optimizing and like can put steps forward to thrive. Can you talk about like how the person who feels like they're just surviving maybe has lost their or will lose their job has lot you know thinking about in the future maybe 6 mm-hmm. months the the person who's kind of on the edge and trying to survive like what how do you suggest they kind of like prepare for the recession and kind of survive through it so one of the things that i always tell my listeners is everybody no matter your situation and no matter kind of the time of the economic cycle You may have your monthly budget that you live and breathe every month, but everyone in their back pocket should have what I call a bare bones budget. That if tomorrow you got called in and laid off from your job, that you could have a list, a hit list of the things that you would eliminate immediately. And maybe if this is a bigger concern for you and it's something you're really worried about, maybe you implement some of those sooner rather than later so you can bulk up your emergency fund. So what are some things that might be on that hit list? Make a list of all your subscriptions. Like, are you using them? You know, everything from Netflix to Spotify to, you know, how many different streaming services do you really need? How many different music services do you really need? Um, Are there services that you use on a monthly basis that, you might not need to pay for and you could bring in house. The other area that I think most families tend to have kind of excess is in food spending. Can you eat more at home? Can you pack your lunch every day? Can you spend less eating out? Can you make your coffee? You know, people get a lot of flack for saying this, but like, (laughs) I'm a firm believer that like, you know, making my coffee at home every day costs me less than a dollar a cup versus if I go to Starbucks, it's like five fifty for, you know, that adds up every mm-hmm. single day. And it has a huge, makes a huge difference. Um, especially if you're, you know, you have two people in your home and you're both doing that. It's not nothing. Uh, and so, you know, and the same is true with like eating lunch out or eating dinner out or ordering takeout or getting Uber Eats or all those things. 
So, you know, if you haven't, and I think one of the things that's hard right now is that a lot of families because of inflation have already been doing a lot of this buckling down. But if you haven't, and you're one of those people who is in a cyclical industry is worried that their job could be at risk, like now's the time to do it if you haven't already. Um, But those are the types of things kind of like I put on my hit list that I know that if I needed to, I could eliminate tomorrow. So that's kind of, that's what I would encourage people to do. And then the other thing is that if you implement it now, then you can start to bulk up your emergency fund. And it sounds like you guys have talked about this with listeners already, but you know, if you're someone that is in one of those more cyclical industries, if you are someone who has changed jobs in the last six to 12 months and are lower in seniority, you know, maybe your goal is to strive for like a six month emergency fund instead of a three month emergency fund. And the other thing is like, don't ever be ashamed, afraid to pursue whatever benefits you are entitled to in the event that your job is eliminated. Um, That is what those benefits are for. And oh, by the way, when you're working, you are paying into those in order to support you and other members of your community in the event that these things happen. And the thing is, is there often can be a lag or a time in order to like get that all in place. So the sooner you take action to make that happen, the sooner you will start to receive those benefits. And there's no shame in that at all. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes, you know, people put a stigma on things like that. And, you know, that's what they're there for. They're there to support you when you need them. And so don't be afraid to, you know, pursue those benefits either. Mm, Thank you for saying that, Megan. That's super, super important reminder because sometimes despite all of our efforts, we can find ourselves in some really difficult spots and there is no shame in reaching out for the help that you need from a variety of sources, community and within the government. Like you said, that's, that's why they're there and we pay into it. So take advantage. Yeah. Definitely. And I just one more um, like follow up to that. So in six months, say somebody still has their job, they're not in one of these cyclical industries, and they feel like, okay, I feel like a little bit more confident. What can they do? Because like, there's a saying like millionaires are made in recessions. Like what is one thing people can do to take advantage of the recession for greater wealth building in the future? invest aggressively. Um, The market is on sale. I mentioned earlier kind of talking about leading versus lagging indicators. The stock market is typically a leading indicator of a recession. So what we've seen happen, basically like this is the worst first half year of a market performance in like over 50 years. If you look at really successful, long-term successful investors like Warren Buffett, Look at the amount of money that they are putting to work right now. Mm -hmm. This is the time when those people make those huge um, long run outsized returns. It's because he sat on cash through the last, excuse me, the last couple of years. And now he's putting all that cash to work because Mm. he's lived through cycles. He knows how this plays out. So I kind of call it like the Buffett indicator, like watch his... (laughs) Like watch his like quarterly statements and reports. Like when he's putting money to work, if you have excess cash, that's the time to put money to work. Um, And what do I mean by putting money to work? I mean, I think everybody who can afford to should invest consistently on a monthly basis. You know, you should contribute to your 401k. 
But in a period like this, when the market is on sale, you know, I think sometimes people are like, oh my God, we're in a bear market. The market's down 20%. Well, that means it's 20% less now than it was in December when everybody was like all gung ho about investing in it. So why are you still not all gung ho? Um, if any, it, it's sort of like if you were eyeballing a pair of shoes, you know, and you really wanted the pair of shoes and you didn't buy them, but now today they're 25% off, like you're like score, but nobody thinks about the market that way and you should. And so if you're one of those people who your job is secure, you bulked up your emergency fund, you've ridden out the recession, like, you know, now is the time to put that money in the market. And because of inflation too, you're going to offset that because, you know, having it in a savings account is not going to generate enough interest to offset where inflation is right now. You really need to be investing in order to do that. Mm. What were some of the lagging indicators? And you talked about leading and lagging. What were those? The other So one of the lagging indicators is unemployment. So like, if you look at sort of what happens leading up to it, things like the stock market selling off, things like retail sales slowing down, those are all leading indicators. Lagging indicators tend to be things more like housing starts, things around construction, things around like durable good sales. Um, and then unemployment is really the big lagging indicator. Yeah. It's amazing. I think many of us, elder millennials and beyond, have <laughs> really navigated. I mean, this would be, for, for many, the, the third, if not more, recessions that we've been through. So, Oh my gosh. Yeah. I totally forgot right? about the, the tech one. Oh my gosh. We've, we've been yeah. here before, but yet, as you mentioned- yeah. Megan, Technically, this would be four because- So 2000 was the dot-com bubble. 2008 was the Great Recession, which was kind of housing related. 2020 was the pandemic, which officially was like two months, but it was a massive kind of boomerang. Um, And so this would potentially be for, I don't know if you count 2000 as an elder millennial. Oh yeah. We (laughs) were alive. It's a bonus recession. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bonus. (laughs) So we've been here before. And yet, as you said, when we first got on this podcast, it it can create anxiety and fear in people despite a knowledge of it and having been been there, done that. Do you have any thoughts, especially paired with your factual knowledge on what people can do just to help themselves mentally, how to maintain hope, uh, stay afloat within the midst of some of that anxiety? What, What are you recommending? So I'm a big believer. And I think you guys are too. Like, I believe knowledge is power. And I think sometimes a lot of times anxiety comes from fear of the unknown or lack of understanding. I also think there's a tendency, maybe not from millennials, but maybe like the generation below us to be like, oh, we have this so hard. My, so on family finance, mom, I run a quarterly book club And the book club for the most recent quarter was actually The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, which is a very detailed depiction of like what the Great Depression was actually like. That was a good book. And I think it's important perspective. I think it's important to be a student of history, kind of no matter like what industry you're in, I think it's important to be a student of history to under and to learn from it so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past and that we learn from them. You know, people, I think, oh my God, we've been through a pandemic. We've been through a recession. Like 
Do you have any idea what it was like for like our grandparents and great grandparents who lived through two world wars? Oh, by the way, a massive pandemic that killed like, I don't remember the order of magnitude greater than it was from COVID-19, but the 1920 or 1918 flu was massive, um, which by the way, also triggered a recession. And then like not even 10 years later, you had the great depression that lasted an entire decade, like an entire decade of 20% plus unemployment, where there were people literally in America starving to death. Because on top of kind of a stock market crash, you had massive droughts that lasted for years, like people lost their farms, their entire livelihoods, their homes. Um, And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen to some people in economic downturns, but it was far wider spread, far longer lasting, and far wider reaching. And so that isn't to minimize kind of the hardship that anybody may have experienced over the last, call it 20 years. But I think that perspective is helpful to know that, you know, economic recessions happen, but every economic recession we've ever had, we've recovered from and gone on to grow and, you know, improve and, you know, long-term the economy, the stock market, everything moves up and to the right over the long-term. So what's important is to set yourself up so that you're not living at the very edge of your means such that when there are these temporary contractions that you can't survive them financially. Hmm. I appreciate so much of what you're saying, the knowledge, the naming it, the dispelling fear and anxiety by facing it and and educating on history. I think this reframe that you're providing for us, I know even in the clinical world, I hear a lot of people say, oh, but other people have it worse. Other people have it worse. And as if to minimize their own circumstances and maybe not look at the pain that their current circumstances are, are providing. And it's not always helpful to just focus on, well, yes, this and this happened to me, but so and so over here in this country. Okay, there's always someone who has it worse. But I do appreciate the reframe to say, but perspective, because wherever we can get perspective is what's going to be beneficial for us. As you said, not to negate someone's suffering or difficulty, but to allow it to help us to understand that there is post traumatic growth. There is resilience. There is hope. There is holding the tension of the really amazing, beautiful, flourishing times and the kind of awful times, non-beneficial times. And I think one of the things that I think people tend to lose sight of is that, you know, things like bankruptcy laws, for example, are designed to give businesses, individuals kind of a clean slate to then recover. And so I kind of think of recessions in a similar capacity. It kind of, from a business perspective, it weeds out the, you know, businesses that maybe weren't intended to survive, which frees up those resources to go work somewhere that is thriving and growing. And if you look kind of over history on a like corporate history, some of the most successful businesses in the world have come out of periods of economic downturns. And it's because you free up talent, you free up capital resources, you free up, you know, ideas, Mm -hmm. you know, people who may have been locked into some corporate job that they hated, they get laid off and they're, they have nothing to lose at that point. And so they pursue the idea that they've had on the back burner forever. Um, And so I kind of like to think of recessions as that 
clean slate period for those who maybe in when times are good, they don't have, I don't know what the right word is, the guts or the, <laughs> the, is it chutzpah? Is there that you the, go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to kind of like take that leap. But mm-hmm. when, you know, maybe mm-hmm. you lose your job, maybe you get a good severance package, whatever the case may be, you now have the opportunity to pursue something like that. And maybe that's the next best thing or the next great mm-hmm. thing. Well, necessity is the mother of intent, uh, invention. And I think I, just anecdotally, I see this in my grandmother and people of her generation. She lived through the Great Depression and she's one of the most resourceful people I have ever met. And some of the things that came out of that time, we continue to benefit from in many ways, That's apart right. from a recession. I think we're trying to get back to, man, how did we get to all these throwaway convenience products? <laughs> it's not good for our environment. It's not good for us. So there's there's so much too that can happen even in the midst of, not apart from. So even as we walk through this time that might feel tight or pressing, there can be even good, joyous, creative things that happen now. So holding the hope even through it, not just hanging on, gripping until it's all over, but also keeping our eyes open to the beautiful that might be right in front of us. Yeah. You know what else is beautiful that's always right in front of us every single week? And provides that joy in the midst. Yes. The The Bill of the the Week. That's right. It's time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. Megan, every week we invite our listeners and our guests to share with us their favorite bill for the week. And we would love to hear yours. Sure. So I used to mercilessly make fun of my husband for this bill, but we are the one of those people that have a monthly car wash membership. And to your point about, you know, making things last, I personally drive a 15 year old Tahoe with like 140,000 miles on it. And nobody can ever believe that that's how old it is. And it's because I drive it through the car wash like twice a week because I get unlimited car washes because we pay the 35 bucks a month to have unlimited car washes. And I think that it's a good indicator kind of of like some people might not see that as fiscally responsible. But the reality is, is that after your home, your car is oftentimes the most expensive asset that people own. And putting money towards maintaining it and keeping it in good condition, which if up here in the Northeast, like we live close to the shoreline um, in the winter, they put salt on the roads. Like by going through the car wash every week, we don't get rust on the undercarriage or on the body. And so I can drive a 15 year old car that still looks like no, you know, people think it's new. And so that it's worth it to us because it's 
Yes, Megan. Awesome. This is music to mostly my husband's ears. He's not <laughs> listening to this right now. But we have a car wash close to us. We didn't do the monthly membership, but I will say we probably do go at least once a month. And it's actually a really fun experience. It's one of those where you go through the mm-hmm. car wash and yep. then they get, give you the vacuums and the rags and the cleaning products and they're bumping music. And it's it's a whole experience. It's, I it's love like a now day they out. put the lights in there. Yes. Like yeah. they put like the like club lights inside the car wash. Yeah. So it feels like you're in the club. So but there's ours, soap. ours has like these creepy like plastic mold. It looks like something out of like um, it's a small world, like the yes. Disney ride, with, like the molded faces. And at Halloween, they put costumes on them and my kids scream. <laughs> That is so funny. Oh my gosh, haunted car wash. Yes. We, I think we have a similar mentality of taking care of our things, even if we get Mm -hmm. it inexpensively. I, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't want to have a museum home, but it doesn't matter the fact that I got my couch used. It's a nice couch. And if I keep it nice, it's going to last me a long time. And my husband says that all the time about the car. You know, if we keep this nice, this could last us a really long time. Time. And right. so vacuuming it out regularly and not allowing the scratches to happen and patching up the paint so that it doesn't, it's not more prone to rust. Like those are the things that are really going to keep it in good shape and hold some level of value. So I appreciate and, this. Yeah. And having a paid off car and paying 35 bucks a month to run it through the car wash so that I don't have to buy an $80,000 SUV seems like a pretty good trade off. Love. I'd love say. that trade off. If any of you all listening in also go to an amazing car wash that you want to talk about, or, you know, you've got like an uncle named Bill or a cousin named Bill, or you, you interacted with the bill of a duck, whatever you got for us, (laughs) visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us your bill. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. And now it's time for the lightning round. Lightning round. So uh, today, (laughs) oh, 
This is the least scary part. <laughs> you go to a car wash <laughs> that dresses up for Halloween. You're going to be all right for <laughs> yeah. the lightning round. You, yeah, you, you're going to be fine here. So today we're going to talk about what we personally are doing to protect our family from the possible recession. And uh, yeah, just like one thing, Megan, you can go first as our guest. All right. Well, we have been doing a lot more food prepping. Um, So in the summer, especially you can, you know, I feel like the school year keeps families on routine a little bit better. And so in the summer, often you can kind of have less routine. It can lead you to like, not think about these things, but what we've tended to do is kind of food prep more. So I pack our lunch when we go to the pool instead of eating at the snack shack every single day or ordering Uber Eats every single day. Um, And then also when we come home, there's food that's easy to prepare because like the last, I feel like the last few times we've gone out as a family, like what used to cost us, like call it 40 or 50 bucks for a family of five to eat out. It's now like a hundred dollars and it's not even, it's not even anything fancy, right? Like I, I used to expect if I went out and spent a hundred bucks on a dinner, that that was like a high end. No, now that's like, you know, sandwiches and fries at like a quick casual restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so it just becomes something that isn't worth it to us anymore, unless it's like truly a special occasion. And so that is one thing that we definitely have been paying more attention to and doing a lot more of. Mm, Well done. Food can be the biggest barrier. And like you said, when routine is knocked off course, that can be when we have the hardest time with some of our well-intentioned plans. Yes. Um, So for us, it's not me in particular, but one of the places where we saw um, our costs rising pretty rapidly was gas, especially for my husband's truck. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has a motorcycle. So he has switched to driving his motorcycle to work instead of his truck. And he has been able to cut down drastically on the amount of times he's getting gas. And I work from home. um, So we've really cut that part of our budget really, really well. So that's smart. Uh, We recession proofed ourselves like two years ago. (laughs) 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 All the things that Living Tiny helped us with. But yeah, we're a one car family. And really, the pandemic has helped to train me to eat at home and cook at home. And working from home does help with that. I would say in particular for us, what I am becoming more focused on is beefing up our emergency fund. It is still not fully funded. For me, fully funded will be six months months worth of living expenses. And I'm not there yet. But I think a little bit more of a focus on that than beefing up some of the sinking funds that I was previously focused on. The one nice thing there too is, um, I don't know about you guys, but I finally am getting emails from my high yield savings account saying they're actually increasing the interest rate. So it's still (sighs) not enough to come anywhere close to offsetting inflation. But earning 1.6% feels a lot better than earning the 0.4 and 0.5% that we Mm -hmm. have been seeing. So, yeah, absolutely. That feels good. So, Megan, you are, you are a, not just a wealth of knowledge, but you are a wealth of unique knowledge in the sea of personal finance creators. I feel like you offer such unique expert advice. So like, where can people get more from you if they want to keep learning about this stuff? So the place where you can find me kind of most often on a daily basis is on Instagram at family finance mom. 
You can also find my blog, familyfinancemom.com. And actually, given kind of the topics we've talked about here, I have some great posts about kind of what is a recession generically, and it kind of talks about the economic cycle and the stages of the cycle. There's also one that talks about the history of past recessions. So if you want to know like what caused the last five major recessions, what steps were taken to get us out of it, and how did we recover, and what did some of these things look like, like how much did the economy decline? How much did unemployment increase? Um, again, to that knowledge is power and kind of easing that anxiety. Like how long did they last, for example? Um, you can find all that at familyfinancemom.com. And I'm off for the summer, but in the fall, the third season of Finance Explained will start, which is my podcast. Um, it covers the top three financial headlines of the week. And then each week is a deep dive Usually an interview, sometimes like my own research on a current topic that people are asking that I'm getting a lot of questions about. So those are all places if you want to deepen your financial literacy and your financial knowledge, you you can check out. Amazing. You have made this complicated topic so much more attainable and understandable. Mm -hmm. You've just got a really amazing way of teaching and explaining. So I'm excited for our listeners to get more from you. And thank you for sharing on our podcast. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys having me. (sighs) (sighs) Yes. How do you feel after that? Uh, Lighter. I, mm-hmm. I think, and with more understanding, and it's amazing what just 30 minutes of talking to someone who knows what they're talking about can do for a topic that is really heavy, is impacting people, of course, in various ways. Some of us are more concerned and worried than others, and that is to be expected. But I think hopefully for anyone in whatever situation they're in could find more lightheartedness or encouragement or hope, or at least a tool or a resource or a anchor to help continue moving through this time. I I think I'm walking away with new insights on what recession means, on what we've already been facing, what we might face going forward. And, and also glad to have a community to be able to brainstorm new ways because we don't always, we don't, yet still know what is to come. Uh, Mm -hmm. History can help us understand that a bit. Knowing what has happened in the past can help to inform the future. But I think also just surrounding ourselves with these amazing people who, who know and have experienced and various tips, both from those that we interview and those in our community. So I'm just ultimately hopeful. Yeah, same. I I didn't realize that we were so close to um, having a recession uh, possibly announced when we scheduled this interview. And so it just is coming out at the right time. So I think this is going to be a topic that your friends and your family and, and your coworkers are going to be talking about. And now you know kind of how if they're worried you can kind of speak hope into their lives. And when the media is trying to maybe really scare you, you can um, have some perspective. And so I'm very glad that 
this episode's releasing when it is, because should they announce that we are in a recession, this is something, this is all they're going to talk about for the next month or two. And so to have this perspective, I think is going to be really powerful when making spending decisions. I think one of my anchors is going to be just the knowledge about how a recession ends up becoming the title of the time that we're in, just Mm -hmm. the economic definition of it being that we've already been in it for six months. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that's a bit of an anchor. Well, how have I done for the past six months? Maybe I've not been thriving, but I'm okay. I'm still standing. So all right, then keep putting one foot in front of the other with the things I've already been doing. And if shifts need to be made, then shifts can be made. And if community is necessary, then yes, reach out for support from your community. If you need more resources, Let's, again, reach out to community, take advantage of what's available to us. There's no shame in that. So, Absolutely. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening to this. And um, if you think it could be helpful for somebody in your life, share it. This is going to be a really widely talked about topic for the next few months. So please share this episode if you think it could be helpful to somebody. Um, and if you want more uh, support and community, uh, we have a private community where we do monthly money challenges and offer accountability groups. Uh, and we always get big wins in there, even during a recession. Uh, so we want to share this one from our uh, member, Laura. She said, I've been stressed and overwhelmed recently with an increase of unexpected expenses. Nothing bad, just seemingly a lot all at once. However, today I'm feeling very grateful and I want to share. And she invited people in the comments uh, of our group to share what they're grateful for or happy, excited about, big or small. And she says, firstly, I'm so grateful to Jen and Jill and this membership. Secondly, for my accountability group who are so supportive, shout out to Bills, Bills, Bills. That's... (laughs) We have the best names for accountability groups in in our uh, membership. People continue to amaze me, especially our members, just the creativity, the yes. wit, the and the <laughs> wins. It's so great. So congratulations, yes. Lauren, and everyone else in our membership who just keeps crushing it. Yes. So thank you for listening. If you want to check out our monthly challenge community, head to frugalfriendspodcast.com slash club to see what challenge we have coming up next. See you next week. Frugal Friends is produced by Eric Siriani. Although I guess now that we've got two episodes, it's like see you later in the week and then see I know, you I next did week. Change, I did change the outline to say see you next time. See ya next, next time. time. Whenever that next time might be. Yes. For those binging, no. it might just be one minute from now. Yeah. It might be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It might, you know, might be in a few weeks when you find the next episode that really speaks to you. But <laughs> yes. whenever the next time we see you is, we look forward to it. We look forward to hanging out with you and just with your coffee or your water. Yeah. We're here with it too. Just my my friend Jenna says that she does listen to this podcast pretty regularly, which pizza Jenna. <laughs> no, she's not pizza Jenna. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, I mean, sorry. I mean, she is, but we can't call her Pizza <laughs> Jenna. I'm sorry, Jenna. My amazing, I'm so sorry. beautiful, lovely, accomplished, intelligent, witty, phenomenal mother, fantastic wife, beautiful <laughs> friend, Jenna, listens That's to this podcast. That's a too long of a title. Regularly. Well, I believe all those things about her. Uh, which I don't expect my close friends to actually listen to the podcast. Like they're welcome to, but like I, I, it's not an expectation for a relationship yeah. with me. But she texts me regularly. She just texted me today. She was excited that about the advertising that was happening on our podcast. But um, a Canadian journalist, his podcast was just advertised. Malcolm, we don't Gladwell. have. Um- Oh, Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Yeah. He's an author. He's pretty famous, Jill. He is. I know. Yeah. yeah I recognized him once I looked him up. <laughs> but his apparently his this podcast Canadian was, guy. <laughs> I said Canadian journalist. I'm not wrong. <laughs> um, he His podcast was advertised on our podcast. She was so excited about it. But I, yeah. I had no idea. That's awesome. We don't have a control over the specific ads people hear because they are I mean you could be listening to one and our you know Jenna could be listening to one and the same episode and you get different ads based on where you are it's pretty fascinating we still don't understand how it works but it is really fun to think about but we're here for it yeah but we do have control over the types of ads that play maybe one day we'll get into that We'll get into our funny story about our first advertise. I was so excited that we for had our to first decline. ad request, and then we had to say no to it. So who knows yeah. if they're going to offer us anymore? I know, right? They will have to. <laughs> We're under contract. They have to. We'll get. We'll get in that story eventually. It'll be a fun one. All right. Well, see you later. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com.